one of the reasons I'm, I'm taking my master's in, in mental health and wellness is I'm a firm believer that mind, body, and spirit are all connected. Your physical health is directly connected to your spiritual and your mental health. And if you can learn how to function well in those two areas, then your physical health will follow. That was Overdrive Extra contributing blogger Clifford Peterson speaking this morning with me at the pilot on I-40 exit 238 in Lebanon, Tennessee. Where I caught up with him. This my first day back after a week off. Apologies to regular Overdrive radio listeners. This round in our weekly podcast comes a few days late and at a not-so-customary beginning of the week rather than the end. We'll get back to a regular rotation sooner than later, be sure. For new listeners, I'm Todd Dills, and this edition checks in with a more complete introduction to Peterson's leased operation with Christensen Transportation, headquartered near Springfield, Missouri. With more than 100 power units, hauling most of dry freight, Peterson notes. For regular overdrive readers, Peterson probably needs no introduction, as he's written several blog posts in recent times in which he draws on his own experience over a few decades now in and out of trucking. His last time away, from 2005-15 though gave him a new purpose in his approach to the industry and as he notes a desire to leave it better than he found it initially growing up in the 1970s a big part of that is his study of the concept of quote emotional intelligence end quote that you heard him alluding to at the top which might have seemed like an odd intro to this podcast to be sure peterson however is clearly a heady sort is working on a master's level degree after graduating the past decade with a psychology and communications major following his long experience in trucking. He describes emotional intelligence as something that, unlike bedrock personality, people can really work to get a handle on to improve their day-to-day and the lives of those around them as well. Helping people do so is part of Peterson's goal. He'll work that while hauling full-time in his KW, spreading the gospel in certainly more ways than one, as you'll see via examinations of industry issues in overdrive and his volunteer effort as a road chaplain with Channel 21 Ministries. Again, all of which you'll hear about in the podcast conversation that follows. With any luck, perhaps his and so many others' efforts might renew that sense of camaraderie among a community of truckers, often seen as in a relatively shorter supply in today's world. In the words of trucker Jim Bardsley, featured in a past edition of this podcast, maybe trucking's old quote, brotherhood virus, so to speak, might come alive and spread. We start here talking the brass tacks of his current situation in his truck. The 2018 Kenworth T680, he's gotten to as high as 10.3 miles per gallon, loaded 30,000 pounds in the box in recent weeks. Here's Peters. Four-year contract, I start out at 710 week. Uh, in the second year, it'll bump up to 740, and in the final year, 760, and I'll have a balloon payment. Good. But one of the reasons I went with this company is after talking to several of their drivers, excuse me, who have already paid off like four or five trucks, yeah. which is almost unheard of in these programs, uh, I found out that this is not really a lease purchase, it's a lease buy. Because at the end of it, now I have money set aside, setting being set aside for the balloon payment. Yep. But I, I, at the end of it, I'll, I'm going to make a decision on whether I want to use it for the balloon payment or use it for something else because the owner of the company, if you don't have the balloon payment, he will walk you down to his bank and get you financed. And then you have the title two weeks later. I covered 
a dedicated route for a driver. Um, oh, back in January, I think it was, up in the Northeast. And he's on a different contract. He's on a percentage. I'm on a mileage. Okay. Because he, he has short runs. Yep. He doesn't do more than 2,500 miles a week. And so percentage is what works best for his sure. operation. And I covered for him for a week. And he brought his truck down to Springfield, got some work done on it, and went down and got it financed. And he had his time two weeks later. And how much is the balloon payment? How much does it end up being? Uh, about thirty-three thousand. Okay. I start out one hundred sixty thousand. These guys have been really good to me because, uh, and I like the fact that if I need to, I can walk into the president's office, the owner's office, right. and talk to him. His wife is usually here in Lebanon, um, and I can usually go in and talk to her or his son, okay. uh, who works here in Lebanon as well, anytime I want. Which is nice. And they've got they've got uh, offices. Their main office here? No, their main office is uh, Springfield, Missouri, well, Stratford, Missouri. Okay. And then um, we have a terminal here, and uh, Cheryl, Don's wife, is here, and his son uh, Rayvon is here. Um, but in Springfield, I have a I have a driver mentor, which is uh, one of the one of the, he's the head dispatcher. He's over all the dispatchers. Right. And he'll call me in the office once in a while and say, hey, you know what, if you do this, you'll make a little bit more money here. You know, so he's really good at that. And he's also really good at the fact that, uh, I mean, this is trucking. Every once in a while, you're gonna have a short week. You know, it just happens. Uh, sure. So he's really good at sitting down with all the dispatchers at the beginning of the week and say, okay, who did what? Who had a short week? Let's make sure they don't have a short week this week. Right. And also, they're really good about that. And keeping everybody uh, in, the, in the black. Yeah. And I've had a couple of instances. I uh, um, had to pay the $1,000 deductible for the deer. Well, about a, a mu about a month after I climbed into this, I just turned 10,000 miles. I was like 40 miles <laughs> from the terminal there in Springfield and uh, hit a deer about three o'clock in the morning yeah. and it was in the shop for well about a month and a half maybe a little over a month and a half and it was like $25,000 worth of damages so I paid the thousand dollar deductible they were real good about it they instead of taking it all at once they let me make it out in increment payments cool. um, I don't know about I want to say three four months later I was delivering a load down in Houston. I had taken this truck route, I don't know how many times, never had an issue. But I delivered my load, and when you come out to the 610 loop, you can only turn one way to get back on the loop, because you have to go down and under and back up. And I made my turn, and like I said, I've been on that route, I don't know how many times. And it's a 45 mile hour speed zone. I went on about my business somewhere in that stretch between where I turned and to where I turned to go back on 610 I hit a tree limb with the trailer and it busted the GPS tracking unit so and I didn't know I did it I got up to Springfield dropped the trailer went on about my business and they, were at, and they got a hold of me and they're like uh, did you do this I'm like not that I know of <laughs> 
they took me at my word uh, because you know I, I I try not to be dishonest. I try to make a good point of sure. being credible and, and honest with people. And, and so they took me at my word, and they just deducted the thousand dollar deductible to get the repairs done yeah. on the trailer in increments. Sure, which I can understand. I mean, I I was a one drop. Drive, pulling the pulling the trailer and, and the GPS stopped working at a certain point, so <laughs> yeah. you know it's not like you can say, well, no, there's no way I could have done that. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> possible, you did. <laughs> yeah, and well, they showed me pictures too, and there was big chunks of of, of the branch. Yeah, so big you, chunk. You could see see the wood. <laughs> a branch was hit. Yeah, yeah somewhere. <laughs> So it must have been a pretty good sized limb that I went under, and it was just hanging just a little bit low. Which they're supposed to be maintained at 18 feet, but you right, know, yeah. You know, sometimes cities get behind on things. So. Yeah. Just take a look at my street in Nashville for further proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some guy. You know, some of the sometimes you'll get a um, you know a, a big a mover coming in, moving somebody in, yeah. and going down that street. It's just like it's not marked, you know, for. It's not marked as a no truck route, right, or right. anything, but it's, yeah, the, well, the, you, the limbs are low. Yeah, <laughs> even when they do mark them as a no truck route, if they're making a delivery there, they, yeah, they're yeah, they not can go, there yeah, allowed. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, but yeah, that's, but yeah, jumping back from this, thing, I guess that's why you have insurance, right? You know? Yeah, well, yeah, you, you have to. I mean, yeah. you, you just never know what might happen out here. Yeah. And it's important when you're when you got a hundred sixty thousand uh, dollar eventually hundred sixty thousand dollar investment title from this thing. You want to protect yeah. it best yeah. you can. Yeah, and that's just truck alone. Trailers anywhere from yeah. twenty to fifty thousand, just yeah. depending on the type of trailer and how yeah. new it is. You don't own your trailers, though, right? It's all their trailers. Yeah, it's company trailers. Yeah. Right. What is is to drive in? Drive in. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, I we, thought so. We specialize in uh, a lot of high value, um, so we have to be careful what we say and, and how far we travel. Sure. You know, um, we also um, have contracts with uh, pet food companies and tire companies. Okay. Um, one of our biggest contracts is with Bass Pro out of Springfield. How many trucks is uh, is it Don Don Christensen's owner? Don Christensen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I believe. He's at about 110 or 120 trucks now. I think when I came aboard, he had 100, 100 trucks. Okay. Um, but I may be wrong. I'd have to check the website. I've been on the website yeah. for a while. But I know he's growing. Um, um, they don't really advertise a whole lot for drivers. I mean, they right. every once in a while, you'll catch an ad somewhere. Uh, right. That's how I found them. And then I started asking questions of drivers and stuff. Yep. Um, but they don't really advertise a whole lot. Uh, right now they have a, a deal going on for uh, the first, the drivers that bring another driver aboard. Okay. Their yep. name goes into a drawing for our new Harley Davidson. Wow. For, and once they reach 25 new new drivers from that, then they'll have the drawing. So, so they're, they're really look, working, looking for uh, folks to refer other good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you know, with these guys, because they don't do a lot of advertising, their biggest selling point is word of mouth. Yeah. And they have happy drivers, and, and those drivers want to share it. They're, they're yep. glad about that. And I'm on a mileage contract, which 
in today's rates, some people say it's not a good thing. Right. But I don't agree. I, I'm in a mileage contract. I know if I do X amount of miles per week, I'm going to have a check right around this neighborhood. And I told them when I came aboard, if, I, if I'm taking home $1,000 a week, I'm a happy camper. Right. You know, I mean, I, I realize there's going to be some weeks it'll be short, but as long as it's consistent over that mark, I'll be happy because I know I'm paying the truck off at the same time. And I'm still taking home a check to keep up on my bills. And um, I also know because the industry, there's going to be a time when these rates are going to drop. And all these guys on percentages are loving it now, but when they drop, they're going to be screaming and hollering because they dropped, but I'm still going to be on the same mines contract. Right. I think, you know, for for somebody like you that doesn't, um, you're in a situation where you're not, you're not the guy that is, uh, you don't have a lot of control over, over negotiating those rates. Being on a percentage contract in that kind of an environment, um, it seems like a, like a big, like a, like a risky proposition. Um, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of, uh, you the can. negotiating. I mean, you, you, you probably always are, uh, even if you're yeah. on a mileage contract, but even with the percentage, even more so because, because you're your check is going to fluctuate with how well they're doing. Yeah, well, yeah, that's just it. I mean, um, yeah. well, I, I've brokered freight for a while. I was yeah. a broker for a while. Right. And um, if you are are an independent driver, not leased onto a company, and you don't negotiate your rates, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You, know? um, you have to know what rates are paying in what lanes. And you have to have a pretty good idea on how to sell your services yep. because you can't negotiate a rate if you can't sell your services. Right. So, right. and most brokers are pretty savvy. They work hard to find that freight. I, I know because I've been there. <laughs> My first three months as a broker, I starved. When, when, when did you do that? Uh, in 2005. I was uh, in a program, lease program with Barlow, which they're good folks. They're good folks. I was successful at that program, but I was getting burnt out on the road. Didn't really want to be out here a whole lot. Uh, newly married, okay. and I was started looking for something off the road, and um, had made a few connections with brokers over the years, and started talking to one of the brokers that that I hauled for quite a bit with Barlow, and found out there was an opportunity to cut, to get off the road and come into the office and learn that part of the business. So I jumped at it, uh, worked, uh, worked their big push, their biggest push, that broker's biggest push is from Thanksgiving day until Christmas Eve. Okay. And uh, because they handle 90% of UPS freight during that season, okay, yeah, sure. they'll do a little over eight and a half million dollars in a month. Wow. So, I jumped right into that fray and they put me on an hourly pay and learned how to do it. And then after that was over, that month was over, they offered me a full-time position on a commission. Yeah, okay. Which, being naive <laughs> in the business, I, I jumped at because I was still off the road. And like I said, for the first three months, I starved on a commission. <laughs> I, I, I barely scratched by. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so you were, you were still pretty green to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, I got lucky and, and uh, made a contract with for some freight out of Las Vegas, just local stuff that helped slide me by. And then uh, 
contacted a, a, a nursery up in Oregon that I had hauled quite a bit for when I was an owner-operator and told them my situation, told them I needed to move some freight. And uh, they were more than happy to give me freight. We did $40,000 in a month with them. Okay. And then my broker put me on a, on a, put it all on hold because they hadn't paid their bill. But uh, it showed him enough of me to know that I could find drivers and trucks easily because I had a good rapport with drivers and trucks. I was just having a hard time you know, the finding set. the freight. Yeah. So he put me with another broker that had more freight than he knew how to handle on a contract. And I was moving 15 loads a week out of North Carolina and 15 loads a week out of Tennessee and looking at 250 grand a year for my living room. <laughs> and did that for about a month and then lightning hit transfer outside my house and fried my computer okay so i called him up and i said hey here's my trucks i'll be back up and running in a couple of days and he said no problem two days later when i had my new computer and everything he's like i don't need you now i got your trucks oh my god <laughs> so yeah so it's a doggy dog world. Oh Lord, man, that's that's awful. Right. And then shortly after that, they let me go because I, I just wasn't finding the freight. Yeah. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot. So. <laughs> Chalk it up to uh, experience. Learning, a learning experience. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big believer that God has a reason for everything. Right. I know you've written a little bit about this, but you you took a little about a 10 year break from trucking after that right yeah i uh had some family issues i needed to deal with i went back to school got my bachelor's in science bachelor of science in psychology and communications right. and uh i was all slated and set up to uh open a substance abuse clinic uh just north of kansas city okay. at about 50 grand a year to start this was kind of part of a network of uh, that was already established, or what? Yeah, it was. It was already an organization established in St. Joe, Missouri, okay. where I had done an internship. Okay. And uh, of course, I did two internships in my in my undergrad time, and which is not often done by undergrads. Usually, they're lucky to get one. Sure. I did two. I did one in a mental health clinic, a nonprofit mental health clinic, and then I did another one at the substance abuse clinic, which I really found my niche there. I thought, man, this is what I'm gonna do. And, right. um, and, uh, and just at the last minute, it all fell out okay. and huh. didn't work out. So I had to make a choice. I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? For, at the time, I was driving part-time for um, um, R&L okay, out yeah. of Kansas City. Yeah. And, or once in a while, filling in at Brown. <laughs> so I had to figure out what I was going to do and, and with those two jobs I was bringing home about $600-$700 a week and still working on my undergrad and uh, before that I had been working for a, uh, a, one of the largest leather manufacturers in the country. Okay. Uh, I was going to school at 8 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon and going to work at 3.30 in the afternoon until 11 o'clock at night oh, yeah. and studying until about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I was getting burnt out. My last year, in my senior year, uh, I got hurt on the job and they let me go. 
because I got hurt. Ugh. And so I started part-time driving again okay. to make ends meet while I was finishing school. And so my wife was like, well, what kind of money can you make full-time? And I'm like, well, if I do full-time, I can't finish school. Because okay. the graduate work I was looking at was right there in Kansas City. And yeah. we had moved to Platte City closer so I wouldn't have such a commute. And uh, she said, yeah, but we need the money. So <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, well, so now how can I do this while I'm on the road? And, and the first year out, first year back out, it, it was a struggle trying to make school work and work and, work and everything. I uh, started out at Ohio Christian University and uh, dropped there and then went to Liberty University and ended up dropping there because the instructors just didn't seem to understand the, the lifestyle that this takes yeah. and the fact that you don't have internet connectivity all the time. Right. <laughs> but uh, things seem to be working out really well with GCU. I'm at Grand Canyon University now. Okay. Um, I graduate. Well, this is my last week in for my uh, certification in life coaching. Okay. And I went that way because to get a professional license, I'm restricted to one state or wherever I'm licensed at. So... I didn't want to be restricted to one state. Uh, I like the idea of being able to, to do virtual counseling yeah. or coaching, I should call it. Yeah, <laughs> virtual sure, coaching sure. and uh, do it from for anyone. Yeah. And, and of course, the more time I was back out here on the road, I realized the need for it, um, for drivers having someone. So are you, are you thinking about going into it uh, from that respect, uh, from the from the cab here? As you, you yeah, and and I I've kind of changed my perspective. I thought, well, okay, the Lord shut the door on the substance abuse counseling, right. and of course, my uh, the lady was in charge of my internship. She contacted me here not so long ago and said, hey, you can get this in coaching too, substance abuse coaching. It's like cool. So I might look into that in the future, but right now. As soon as I get this program done, I'm jumping right into my uh, master's level program, which is going to be a master's in mental health and wellness with, okay. uh, with a Christian theology background. Because I'm a chaplain for Channel 21 Ministries out here on the road, and, and I want to make sure that I integrate that into anything I do. Right. What so, does that entail for you, the Channel 21? Uh, um, I love it. I mean... Um, it's just a matter of, of talking to drivers. Yeah, okay. And sharing the love of Christ with drivers. Uh, sometimes they approach me, they see the sign on the side of the truck, or they see my hat or my shirt. I got shirts I wear too. Uh, and they'll approach me uh, asking questions or needing prayer. Right, right. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of, of attitude and walking in someplace and, and presenting the right attitude. People see the you know, and they ask questions or, and most of it is just, um, it's either witnessing to, or leaving free Bibles and CDs, which is other driver testimonies and teachings for other drivers to find in the truck stops. Gotcha. Uh, the other day I stopped at a big cross in Texas and was able to leave some for them. And, uh, they, they were really happy to take them. Okay, cool. Yep. So you just, uh, something that you you stop at a place and um, talk to the folks there, and they'll um, take what take what you have, and uh, yeah. and 
put it in the lounge or somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. When I was off the road, I kind of uh, I got reconnected. Okay. As well, what I want to call it, because uh, I had drifted a long ways away okay. before I got into a pretty dark place before I got off the road the first time, and uh, I reconnected and discovered that I need that connectivity to keep my head screwed on straight. Like every day, in about 45 minutes, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays, the guys will get on, but we'll, uh, a bunch of the chaplains will get together in the morning and have a Bible study via phone. Okay. Um, Monday nights, we have a teaching. Our senior pa- senior chapel will, will come on the line. We'll have a teaching. Um, Tuesday nights, the ladies get together. Uh, Wednesday nights, we get together for prayer. Just a big prayer chain for okay. anyone that says they need prayer. And then uh, Thursday nights, we get together for communion on, on the phone. Okay. And, and maybe a teaching, and then um, um, that's pretty, you know, it yeah. just kind of helps keep me connected. How many people are involved in it now in terms of, uh, you know, I mean, you, I'm sure you have folks that are that are the road chaplain folks, right. but then you also, do you also have like a community of people that, that will call in and participate in the Bible studies, um, things of that nature? Not a large community at this curious. time, but it's, it's growing. Now. Yeah. I mean, um, I put it out over the Sirius XM radio with uh, Tim Ripley in the morning. Yeah. You know, if anybody's interested, they're welcome to join us. Yeah, yeah. And I've had uh, one driver from Florida. He he called called me, and I gave him the contact information. And, and he gets on. He doesn't always participate. Yeah. Usually he'll mute his phone and just listen. Yeah. But he gets on, and, and that's nice. Uh, yeah. He'll call me every once in a while. Let me know how he's doing. And, uh, That's cool. You're, you're really building some connections there with, uh, yeah. Yeah, we hope so. Uh, right. We we would like to see that portion of it grow. Yeah. Um, how many how many road chaplains are there? I mean, how many? Well, when I started with them in 2015, I think there was 30, and okay. now we're over 100. Okay. Chaplains in Canada as well as here in the United States. We also have some lady chaplains. I think I don't think there was any lady chaplains when I first started. So we have some lady chaplains for the lady drivers. Right. And then, uh, I guess, yeah, it's over 100 now. We're just, uh, our, our main office for the service. Channel 21 Ministries is headquartered in Smyrna, Tennessee, not, not far at all from the Lebanon, Tennessee pilot where Peterson and I were talking. Chaplain Daryl Spicer says Peterson is the principal point of contact for those looking to get involved in the on-highway ministry, one among a variety of religious groups among drivers. Peterson says Channel 21 commonly works together with, from time to time, uh, some of these other groups. You can find Spicer via contact information you'll see posted at channel21ministries.com. That's channel21ministries.com. Peterson noted the name stems from the radio channel, one road chaplains make a customary process to use for an alternate, quote, clean 21 channel on the road when in conversation with a fellow hauler, if needed. He also says that his involvement, in addition to fulfilling a personal need following his reconnection with his own faith, is of a piece with what he views as his mission in trucking, speaking broadly, to, quote, make it a better place for drivers, leave it better than he found it, so to speak, as I noted up top. If you've read anything Peterson's written, I imagine you'll recognize that same goal there in his analyses and key issues in trucking, 
an opinion on what can be done to tackle them for the better. As he puts it, he's happy to be involved in as many things as he can toward that goal. Of a piece with his emergence from that dark place he'd gotten to back more than a decade ago before tackling the university work and re-entering trucking. When he first started his undergraduate work in psychology, I got involved in as many things as I could. Right. Um, I jumped into the student government organization, became a student senator, uh, and uh, jumped on the yearbook and became a writer and a photographer for the yearbook. Um, and I just realized doing that that I enjoyed being involved and helping people. Sure. And uh, uh, then my last year, my senior year, I founded the uh, National Society of Leadership and Success chapter on my campus. Okay. And uh, pre was president, presiding president over that for a short time until it just became too much and I needed to concentrate on school. Right. So um, I just realized that I enjoyed being involved and when I got back out in the industry, um, I had something that I didn't have before. I had Sirius XM radio. I could listen to the news, the industry news, what was going on. I learned a lot, uh, especially from people like Kevin Rutherford, Dave Nemo, um, and other drivers. Uh, and yeah. one of the things that I was shocked about when I came back out of the industry was we had lost that camaraderie that drivers had. Um, before, you could walk into a sit-down restaurant at a truck stop and have a meal, and even though you were by yourself, you could connect with the drivers, talk. Yeah, it's um, common to it's common to do that. Yeah, yeah um, I call them round tables. Yeah. Um, my hometown, uh, St. Joe, Missouri, uh, where I grew up, had a little truck stop there for uh, Wiedemeyer truck stop and when I was a kid I used to go in there and my grandma uh, was a waitress there and I would go in there and, and it would amaze me all the truck drivers would gather around this big round table and shoot the bull and talk and, and the locals would come in and do the same thing but if a person kept their mouth closed and their ears open they could learn a lot and when I came back out into the industry that was gone uh, very seldom now did drivers gather together in a restaurant. There's hardly even any set-down restaurants left anymore. Um, so that's kind of gone, and SiriusXM kind of has taken that place. And so, I don't know, I just started getting involved with uh, the OIDA and uh, writing letters to my representatives and, and such. And then um, I wrote a letter to President Trump, of course you guys published that one, mm -hmm. and um, kind of went from there. Yeah. The Overdrive Extra blog, where Peterson's been writing occasionally along with other owner operators and drivers, is at least an attempt at something of a virtual roundtable itself. And it's our hope that attempt continues to at least provide some value to those engaged with subject matter and the writers themselves. Peterson notes he's heard from a few of you in recent times and encourages more interaction. You can find his work at overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen extra. Until next time, stay safe.